Welcome back to Twice Upon a Time. This week, Roger and I watched episode six, The Shepherd. As usual, we will start with a synopsis. In Storybrooke, David checks out of the hospital and moves back in with Catherine. Emma continues to advise Mary Margaret to do the right thing and not get involved with a married man. But all of that changes when David leaves Catherine. On his way to meet Mary Margaret, Regina sent David in the wrong direction, which leads him to remembering his curse memories and choosing to stay with Catherine. In the Enchanted Forest, we meet Prince James, son of King George, whose kingdom is in desperate need of funds. King Midas will pay George handsomely if James can defeat the dragon plaguing his kingdom. Before he can defeat the dragon, James dies, and George makes a secret deal with Rumpelstiltskin to replace his son with his twin brother, David, the titular shepherd. David agrees to pretend to be James to save the failing farm he lives on with his mother. But when he defeats the dragon, Midas offers his daughter Abigail's hand in marriage. Though David wants to marry for love, he agrees to protect his mother, who gives him a ring before they say goodbye forever. And just a point of clarification, because it's really confusing. David and James are twins. David's mother and father gave Rumpel James when they were babies because they were poor, who then gave James to King George. You heard Snow refer to David as Prince James at one point in the Cinderella episode. That was actually David. James and Snow don't interact really for most of the series. Um, we won't see James very often, and it'll be very clear when it is him most of the time. To further add to this confusion, David's curse name is also David. Uh, so that's D David in the Enchanted Forest, David in Storybrooke, same person. We will try to be clear when it's confusing if we are talking about Storybrooke David or Enchanted Forest David. <clears throat> in any case, Roger, did you like this episode? I love this episode. Top five episode. Whoa, episode. top five episode! It's a great episode. Um, so to make the clarification clear i typically like to refer to david as charming because he is the only one who really goes by that name because of the nickname because you're right david and david and james and it just becomes confusing so i i refer to him as charming in the enchanted, enchanted forest. forest this is a one of my favorite backstory episodes it's really good it it shows you kind of everything about who david is as a person um his relationship with his mother is so sweet i mean you just you know they're poor for before i even go into how they are his hair is amazing it's such a bad wig it's he looks like a ridiculous hippie you know 18 smokes a lot of weed finding himself for the first time kind of just shepherd boy and yet it makes me laugh and i love it it's great this episode is all about david i have very very few complaints about this episode you i also really like this episode maybe top 10 episode for me i don't know about top five uh great to learn more about about david charming uh we don't also, like, we don't know anything about Prince Charming in the Snow White fairy tale, so it's really nice to, like, get some backstory here. Some real confusing, interesting backstory that we'll talk about when we dive into the discussion. But, yeah, I, I think it's Rumpelstiltskin inserting himself in every story in fairy tale history. Again, great. Love it. Great to see David be a total badass again. And really interesting developments between Mary Margaret and David in this episode. Uh, I yeah I think it's a I think it's a top ten episode for sure. Okay, let's start with James. We don't see much with James. We see sure. that he's a good fighter. He wins against him. I don't know. Is an orc or a brute? A brute. I think of it's some a sort. human. It's a human brute, but it's a large brute. Yes. Um, and he wins the fight. He wins the fight convincingly. He does like a little feint that he's dead, and he stabs him through the heart. I believe is how he kills him. Then they kind of go into the whole thing of what James was training for. It's in front of people. It's a spectator show, all that good stuff. And at the end, as he's being uh, cheered by his knights about, you know, a great hero, he makes the same mistake that the brute fell for, which is not confirming that he was dead, and gets brutally stabbed through the heart. Just impaled all the way, collapses, lights out, see you later, James. And that is how his story ends. <laughs> George, who had agreed to this deal i guess with midas for gold now is in a bad position so he asked for help with our favorite mr gold slash rumpelstiltskin and uh he makes an interesting deal my favorite part about this is something we will learn later rumpel engineered the fact that george doesn't have any gold 
Does he? Yep. He asked Regina to stop trading with King George's kingdom. <laughs> Fifteen steps ahead. Fifteen steps. <laughs> George makes a deal that I truly didn't understand. If he, all he needed was that dragon's head, right? He just needed to kill the dragon. Rumpelstiltskin is the dark one. I don't actually need a replacement son. What I need is a dragon's head, because that was the deal with Midas. Kill this dragon, slay this dragon, and I will give you all the gold your heart desires. Rumple, go kill the dragon, give me the head, and I'll give you whatever you want. I don't know why he didn't ask that. I do know why he did ask for his son back. One, because he genuinely wanted his dead son back. He, he loved thought, James. He, he loved James. He thought Rumple could do that for him. Um, and to be clear, James is not really his son. He is like his adopted son, or I, adopt, I don't know if adoption is an official term that it can be used. The uh, dark one gave me a baby, and I adopted him. I'll push back on not his son. He raised him. Yeah, he did. Yes. He, he and not I mean, like in the same way that Henry is Regina's son. I would say that James is George's son, and he loves him like a father. He he wants the world for him. Now maybe his morals are a little screwed up and backwards. But he truly loved James. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. I was more adding for the clarity of the confusing situation of there being two people that look like David Nolan. And uh, one of them is Prince James. His, he, he is not his biological he son. He is not his biological son. Um, yeah, I think I think he he really, really wanted his son back. And he thought that Rumpel could do that for him. As we will learn, as we've heard in many, many fairy tale movies tv shows books whatever like aladdin the genie cannot bring people back from the dead same is true here you can't bring people back from the dead there's a, a famous like there are three things you can't wish for you can't bring we, people back from the dead you can't make someone love you and you can't wish for more wishes you can't wish for more wishes <laughs> uh but i do i do agree that i don't know why he didn't just ask rumple to kill the dragon and bring him his head he does want i think he also wants more in that this is a long game for him he wanted midas to offer his daughter up for marriage so because the money that he gets from midas isn't going to be enough to save their kingdom he needs like an infusion of gold into the kingdom. so you think his prize was really he was after abigail yeah absolutely interesting which interestingly um you know a real answer in medieval times or whatever George could marry Abigail. There's no reason that he couldn't marry Abigail. I don't know why he needs a, a handsome son that can slay dragons. Well, Midas would never agree to that. Yeah, I mean, I guess. And if you're out of gold, <laughs> you probably can't raise an army. If you can't raise an army and Midas says no, what you going to do about it? That's true. However, he had James. James could have easily married Abigail and probably would have been able to woo her because he's an attractive man. Yeah, like, but he needed he needed to prove himself before Abigail would be willing to marry him, and Midas would be willing. I don't think it was Abigail who had the choice here. That's true. I think it's made That's very true. clear that Midas has to cons uh, consent to this. In in all of this, let's talk for a second. So one of the descriptors on, like, Netflix or um, Disney Plus of Once Upon a Time is soapy. And we get real soapy in this episode. Uh, there's a, a plot where there's twins who have traded places, and one of them has amnesia. It's just really, it's, it's really down that, that rabbit hole there. Evil dead twin who was adopted by the king now gets replaced by his actual good twin to save his family. And in this world has amnesia. Yeah, we've gotten deep in the rabbit hole. Deep in the, the rabbit hole. An interesting point. So we'll later learn in future episodes, James is not a good guy. Just as George is not a good guy in this episode. Like father, like son here. Uh, Which makes sense. But in this episode, we don't really see James being bad. He he seems he seems pretty brave. Uh, a little arrogant, as a prince might be. Uh, but one of his soldiers, at one point, completely unprompted, tells David he was the bravest man I ever met. Uh, so I think I think it's interesting. We see like kind of a little shift in James's character later. I, I would see. I would say what you saw from James is that he's a kind of an arrogant dumbass, and it ends up being his downfall. Yeah. Exactly. But he's not inherently evil. He's just, uh, what does uh, Snow say about royals in Snowfalls? She has a disgusting view on, you know, like she thinks mm -hmm. all royals are bad, and James is kind of the personification yeah, of that. Just exactly. Pathetic royal or whatever. The, the fight also, the, the fight that James is having with this brute at the beginning, I can't, 
was that like a staged gladiator style fight like king george was just like prove yourself kill this dude or is this like an actually bad dude i, I hard to say it at first it seems like they're just having a battle yeah. on top of a cliff but james is almost kicked off of the cliff and yeah. no one stops to like help him so clearly this was like uh let me show you that my son can do this it was kind of like an exhibition and as you described the situation with the like faking like pretending to be dead and then very like game of thrones the mountain and the viper fight like this dude is big like the mountain and like james if you had just followed your own advice and like stayed away from or made sure he was dead like you'd still be alive excellent tactics though so there's a family trait there good <laughs> good tactics when it comes to quick thinking on in the battle like to fake that he was dead and basically kill the guy was a good move just he has arrogance, and it cost him, and his brother doesn't, and that's why it doesn't cost him. But both of them are, like, battle sound, I would it's say. It's true. Let's talk about David being a total badass in this episode. Again, we see him, like, he has no experience doing stuff like this. Like, he fights a dragon. Also, first dragon that we see in the show. Very cool. Uh, he used... He kills this dragon with a sword that Midas basically ruined. He turned it. He turned a steel sword into gold, and uh, somehow David is able to chop off a dragon's head with that. But he doesn't just do that. He lures the dragon into a space where he knows the dragon won't fit, so that he can chop off its head. First off, I don't know that anything that's made of pure gold I would ever call ruined. But I get what you're saying here. It's probably not functionally as strong as before excellent tactic of putting the dragon in a spot where now his head is exposed can't do anything i mean the dragon could have just burned him i don't understand that move but dragon got arrogant tried to eat him and then lost his head for that so great tactic david very brave goes to save the soldier he doesn't have to do that he's very supposed very clearly supposed to just sit back and let the knights do all the real work and, he's and they die to, instantly yeah. all of them die like immediately except the one he saves yep yep they <laughs> Pretty much are not up to the task, and this shepherd boy figures out a way to beat the dragon faster than well-trained knights. I think in a previous episode we talked about how these knights are kind of like stormtroopers. Yeah. This is a running theme, that they're good for nothing. They well, and these are different knights. These are not the black knights of Regina's kingdom. These are knights from a different kingdom. Apparently all knights and kingdoms are bad. Well, no, remember we run into these knights earlier because they're the knights who aren't smart enough to realize that the tree has been cut down by a human. Oh, yep. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yep. These it's knights, true. equally dumb. Like, you just realize that the people who are knights suck for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think David is great. You see how badass he is as a fighter, which we'd already established, obviously, previously in Snow Falls. But also, I think the important thing, really, for David is, uh, like, his uh, moral conviction. Unlike all of the weak men that I can't stand, he really is, I don't want to marry just for riches. I want to marry because I find the woman I fall in love with. His mother, who I love in the show... She's like, oh, there's a merchant with a daughter. That would be great. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And, you know, at the time, she's like, no, it would be a good move. And then she realizes, yeah, that was actually the wrong thing. David stays strong in his convictions almost all the time. And then when it becomes the right choice to save his mother, he, he does decide to go along with George's scheme and marry Midas' daughter. Yeah. Against, against his will, but like he says, it's not right for the entire kingdom to suffer because of me. Which, you know, I can understand that. I also... This is something I think about every time I watch this or read, like, any King Midas. Like, how does King Midas' kingdom not just have, like, rampant inflation? Like, he just makes gold all the time. Like, it's like, oh, you need some gold? Here's some. I just made it. Like, you can't. It doesn't work. I believe his kingdom is the richest kingdom in the land. Because sure. he can trade gold at an infinite level to everyone else. Yeah, rampant. I mean, gold would be worthless in the kingdom of Midas, I suppose. But to every other kingdom, gold is great. So who cares? And I mean, Rumpel can also spin straw into gold. We've just got, like, yeah. gold. Gold's everywhere. That. I want to touch on Midas real quick. Sure. Boy, he. that's a true curse. You can have all the riches and all the money you can think of, but you can't touch anyone. It's true. And we actually do get a seed when he's removing his gauntlet to uh, turn the sword into gold. He says, remember what happened to Frederick, which is the title of episode 13. And we don't know who Frederick is at this point. We don't. We know nothing about that. But we can safely assume he was turned to gold <laughs> by accident. Yes. Uh, back in Storybrooke, we uh, get a lot more details about a lot of characters. This is a very, like, character introduction heavy episode. Starting with David's welcome home party from the hospital. And Regina and Catherine. So Regina has decided to befriend Catherine because she thinks that that's the best way to keep Mary Margaret and David apart. 
And clearly this is a scheme. She urges Catherine to go back to David and go find him. But it also, like, she gets this, like, look on her face like she's a little sad. Catherine calls her her friend. And I think this is probably the first time that anyone has ever said that to Regina. Like, has she ever had a friend? Maleficent. Yeah. They ended up fighting over a tiny black unicorn. So, <laughs> <laughs> But that it, it reminded me of that scene. Yes. I'm your only friend. And it was, and honestly, part of me wondered if Regina was kind of flashing back to that moment with Maleficent of this is my only friend. And much in the same way that she kind of screwed over Maleficent by attacking her tiny black unicorn and taking the dark curse. She's obviously manipulating Catherine because her hole in her heart is just too large. But she does, like, the way she looks makes me think that she she feels a little bad about it. Like, she didn't expect to. I think hearing someone say, my friend, like, she she's still going to do her scheming. But I think she, she, I think she does actually like Catherine. I think this is one of the first cracks in Regina's armor. So we've seen Emma kind of take a couple cracks and be like, oh, this is, I'm changing a little bit. I think this is the first time you see Regina feel maybe like, ooh, maybe there's some remorse here. Or like, it's not enough to stop me, but it's kind of like, oh, I could have actually just had a genuinely good friend who likes me for me. Not because I've forced her to or not because I'm controlling her, just because she sees me as a friend. And that's not something Regina's had a lot in life from what we know about her so far. And it's a little diluted, too, in Regina's brain, like... I think she's starting... She obviously wants Mario Margaret to stay away from David because that's what she wants. But I think she's sort of got this, like, well, my friend is Catherine. I want my friend to have her husband who only cares about him because of a curse that I engineered so that they could be together. Well, Regina is a master manipulator. So obviously she's going to say everything in the tone in which gets her what she wants. Also, she kind of just doesn't care about anyone else like that is really her big problem is that it's not about helping Catherine it's about my friend it's about me it's about all the things I want and so she's kind of revealing what her true motivations are when it's like I just want you to be unhappy and it's about me I don't really care about Catherine let me I'm gonna say one thing about Catherine or Abigail she has one of the most cold-blooded lines in this episode when she's introduced to James slash charming slash David I guess he'll do well, and I also love how she asked, like, he killed the dragon? Like, this guy? <laughs> that, so, I, I guess he'll do. Like, boy, that, uh, that is the opposite of love at first strike. Well, and the, the contradiction between Catherine and Abigail, like, Catherine is a very nice person. Warm, loving, yeah. trying to, yeah. And Abigail, even, obviously, this isn't the first time we've met her. We met her in the carriage in Snow Falls. Uh, she is grumpy and entitled and bratty and it seems to carry forward in this episode we'll learn about why that is later uh, she seems she even when her father offers her up for marriage she she does not seem happy about that and quite frankly justifiably so well yeah he sold her he sold her like property and i also don't really um like what is midas getting out of this like what? What does it mean for their kingdoms to be united? Like I don't. I don't think he gets anything out of it. I mean, I guess he found a champion for his daughter, but like she doesn't need. He, she doesn't need to get married. He doesn't need partnerships with other kingdoms. Well, he doesn't have a male heir. True. He will never have a male heir because he can't touch anyone. It's true. So the only thing he has is a daughter who can potentially sire him some heirs. It is not unprecedented in the Enchanted Forest for women to rule. It is not, but I don't know of any tr- uh, I don't know of any situation in which a king voluntarily gave up their throne to a woman. Like the only time there's a queen is when there's simply just an absence of the king. Sure. Virgin- Wouldn't it be nice if the enchanted forest was a little more progressive? <laughs> Listen, we can engineer a lot of things with a curse. I don't know that that kind of level <laughs> of progression that we can get to there. But yes, that would be nice if it was just who's the most qualified. But this is the Enchanted Forest. This is not some make-believe land. Don't be ridiculous here. Also, I mean, yeah, I guess you make a good point. Who's the most qualified? Usually not the royal family, regardless of whether they are male or female. Yeah. Okay, we talked about Regina uh, just a little bit. I want to touch on her a little bit more. The gaslighting. Man. I said she's a master manipulator, but she gaslights Catherine so badly for... Again, she didn't really need to do this. I mean, I get why she's doing it, and I understand her endgame. But it's just, like, another thing where you're like, why are you so bad? Like, why are you so mean to everyone? Especially when I get why you hate Snow. I get why you hate Charming. Catherine has done nothing to you. 
and you were willing to use her and manipulate her like a pawn just to get your end me like your end game and she even sees you as a friend like i felt icky kind of watching it that. was really icky well she also regina storms in on mary margaret and makes another like who talks like this speech at granny's diner and at one point she says before you do something that can't be undone which is another clue as to what happened between them and she also says let him remember who he was which and we now know is a threat it was a threat it's a fun play on words because what she is actually saying is let him remember my curse whereas in reality his actual amnesia is more or less bring him to who he really is yeah. which is what she does not like i mean obviously this is a weird situation because in most cases amnesia would be a terrifying nightmare because you can't remember who you are in this case the amnesia has actually made david remember kind of who he is really and so then the curse is being broken and that's what she's bothered by i love anytime regina interacts with mary margaret because just the personification of hatred and contempt and just the way she looks at mary you can mary margaret you can tell this woman must have done something evil to her because she hates her hates her in a like loathing way this was not a good episode for Mary Margaret. She, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. Um, actually, Chelsea cry counter when David leaves her standing by the toll bridge. It's rough. Um, I, I just, I mean, it seems like she gets her hopes up so high. David, the mag, David is like literally drawn to her like a magnet. He leaves his own welcome home party and just like finds her somehow hanging I a birdhouse. He will always find her. He you. will always find her. And he actually like makes a pretty sweet speech. Uh, Mary Margaret again goes to Emma for advice. She tells him to stay away or she tells her to stay away. But then I do love. When David actually leaves Catherine and Mary Margaret is like, what am I supposed to do? He won't stop coming. And Emma was like, well, he, he did the thing. Like, it's okay. You can you can be with him now. I think usually you get the trope of, oh, he says he's going to leave his wife, but he never does. And that's usually why you have other people like, well, don't believe this because this is what men say. And then after they're done with you, they decide to go back to their wife. In this case, he actually doesn't love Catherine. So he decides I'd rather not be with someone I don't love because I want to be with Mary Margaret. Which is fair, because Emma's like, well, he actually did the thing that most men lie about doing, and then he did it, so it's not really your responsibility to fix their marriage if he wants to leave her. It does feel a little ambiguous, though, because he still doesn't remember. Like, he has amnesia. And I'm not... This isn't... Months have not gone by. He hasn't been trying to remember. This is like, maybe... He's been awake for, like, two weeks. And he's just like, who's this lady? I don't love her. Well, in fairness... The only thing that we know about the relationship is that he left because yeah, of some true. fight that they had. So it wasn't like he they were this perfect, you know, Susie homemaker and the dad. Like, they had issues before he went into the coma. She obviously didn't care that much to come find him. And then now he wakes up and there's this new woman in his life. It kind of makes sense that he's like, well, I didn't have a connection with you before. When, from what you're telling me, I left you. From what I feel now, I don't have a feeling for you. And then there is this woman who has been in my life. Like, it, logically, it kind of makes sense and it tracks it's just, it's complicated. Yeah. It's very complicated. And it is heartbreaking when he leaves her standing at that toll bridge. The look on her face when she finds out that he's going back to his wife is not contempt, but like disappointment to the utmost degree. Like, I cannot believe you did this to me. Well, and I also think, like, she's upset with David, but later at Granny's when she's crying, we also she's upset with herself. Like, she did the thing that you're not, like, that she was trying not to do and that you're not supposed to do because you know it's wrong. And then then she uh, hooks up with Dr. Will. She, she got the result that Emma said that was going to happen in the beginning, which is he's going to pretend like he's going to leave his wife for you, you're going to do something you shouldn't do, and then ultimately you're going to be left by yourself now it doesn't play out that way there's a weird series of events and we'll get to that in a quick second mary margaret has one of the better lines in the show as well when dr whale comes up and asks why she resigned from the hospital and he goes i hope it's not because of me and she's like why would it be because of you didn't even consider in her brain and he's like oh i thought i did something she's like i'm not even thinking about you like <laughs> What a, that just, was that was a total don draper yeah. i don't think about you at all absolutely 
It was a cold-blooded line because it wasn't intended to be cold-blooded. It was just literally, you didn't enter my thoughts at all. <laughs> you you matter so little to me that the, the idea of you being the reason was like, what? It was great. It was, it was an absolutely fantastic line. This is... This has to be one of the worst episodes for Mary Margaret. Like, when we get to winners and losers, boy, she's not in the winning category, I tell you that. Yeah. This is tough. That's rough. Uh, speaking of David getting his memories back, let's talk about Regina's ultimate manipulation, which is somehow convincing Rumpel to do something that he doesn't want. Sorry, Mr. Gold. Like, why did Mr. Gold help her wake up David? Well, we don't see that Regina is a part of that. I'm sorry. Regina gives David wrong directions to pass by Mr. Gold's shop, and you don't think that Regina engineered that? I don't. Oh, my God. Regina absolutely engineered that. She asked Gold to do that. I Yeah, that's the thing. For one, I don't think he would have said Mrs. Mills would have led you astray. I, I think he has his own agenda. Because he keeps going and he goes into the shop. Well, Gold doesn't ever do anything unless he has his own agenda. I'm yeah. sure he has his own agenda. I don't understand what it is yeah. in this situation, but Regina absolutely intended him to go into Gold Shop. Yeah, I don't see it that way. I, I think it's I think she sure. intended for him to get lost. I don't think she knows that Gold has the windmill. I, I, don't, I don't think any of that was Regina's plan because most of Regina's actions are not long-term chess moves. Most of Regina's actions are in the heat of the moment, passionate, angry moves. Like, oh, you're going to leave your wife? Well, that's unfortunate. Here, let me give you the wrong directions. Because that's how Regina operates. She just does things thinking about the next move. Gold is the one who does things thinking two to three to four steps ahead. That implies that she accidentally ran into David on the street. Yep. That's not what happened. She was there on purpose. I believe that is true. I don't believe that she... I don't think her and Gold are connected. I think she intended to run into him and intended to lead him astray. I thought she was leading him out of town. Oh, interesting. No, I absolutely... Like, I agree. She does not do chess moves like yeah. Rumpelstiltskin. But that's, that, is, that, is, that is a chess move that I could make. It's a, it's a one-step-ahead chess move. Yeah. She was like, he's going to go meet Mary Margaret... I want him to wake up. Here's how he can wake up. Here's the, do you have a thing? And then Rumpel helps her do it. But that, so A, she would have to know, she'd have to A, say something to Gold about waking up, which remember, she doesn't know whether he's cursed or not. Mm. So she has to be very careful about saying things like, That's true. wake up or restore memories. That's true. Because then Gold can be like, what do you mean? What what memories are, so okay. she can't go to Gold like this type of ally who knows what's going on because she doesn't even know what he knows. Okay, that's fair. And then there's the windmill. And like she, for as far as Regina knows, to my knowledge, they're, the only way that this curse could be broken... Actually, I don't even think she knows the curse can be broken. I think it's just Rumple, and that's it. I don't think Regina's even found out that there's, like, a savior yet. Well, this is... This... Him waking up is not related to... I mean, it, it is, obviously, because they're all under the curse. But this is not him breaking the curse in any way. Agreed. Like, he's, he's receiving curse memories that he was supposed to have received. Yep. I'm not suggesting that Regina knew about the windmill. I think that she just said Mr. Gold. But you're right. She couldn't have said that because he doesn't. he's not awake. He's not awake. Alright. So Gold could not have been in on this, which means Gold did this for a reason that is, I have not figured out yet. Or the writers just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> While I believe that in later seasons, <laughs> this first season, everything seems to be interconnected. There's a reason for it. I am sure that as we watch and we go through, we're going to realize why gold... Maybe they were getting together too fast because there's a lot of timing and... This is not the first time that Regina will ask for Mr. Gold's help with the David Catherine situation. And the next time that she asks him to do something, it is fucking bat shit. I'd like to point out, she didn't actually ask Gold on screen. No, of course she didn't. Yeah. She this... also doesn't in the other situation. But it's very clear that Gold was involved. Yes. In this case... <laughs> And this is why I think this, is that when usually when Regina makes a deal with Gold, it's made very clear that she made the deal and she had to pay a price. He doesn't really get anything for this, which means I believe this was all of his own doing. I think he, if anything, I think it's more likely that, like you said, this is a chess move that you could anticipate. And if you could have anticipated it, Rumpel would have anticipated it. So he knew what she was going to do and I, was waiting. I think the thing that I'm struggling with, though, is that it it actually, he, uh, Stiltskin and Regina doesn't actually know how the curse will break, but Rumpelstiltskin wants this curse to break. He told Snow and Charming in the Enchanted Forest that their daughter would be the savior. And I, I feel, <laughs> I feel like it must occur to him that 
Mary Margaret and David not being together is worse than them being together. Like this, this could only make it harder to break the curse. Possibly. It is also possible that what he knows is that Mary Margaret and David being together in this manner does not help him. Because mm, they, they don't know who they really are. They don't know who they really are. This isn't what he would classify as true love. Mm-hmm. And because, like, even if they stayed together, this is a, hus- a married man leaving his wife for a woman who's like, it's close to an affair. So maybe he's like, no, let me break this before this does something bad. And then when they actually get together, I get what I need. We do get a slight clue... That Mr. Gold is awake when he refers to the mobile as charming, which could just be a turn of phrase. Nothing Rumpel ever says is a coincidence. Yeah, at this point, it was a very good clue. Yeah. Charming, and you're like, huh, that's interesting. And again, it's not like David is referred to as charming in this episode, but you know that he is referred to as charming with snow and the best. So it's kind of like, you know more than you've let on. I think there's also an interesting element of people are there. They don't remember things about their life in the Enchanted Forest, but that mobile belongs to Snow and Charming, and he is drawn to it when he looks at it. Um, I mean, not not in like a heavily like he doesn't he doesn't know anything about it, but he immediately is like, oh, what's this? He looks at it and it seems to do something for him. Yeah. He's like, this is this feels important. I yeah. don't know why it feels important, but it does exactly. feel important. the same way that the windmill draw is drawn to him. And that's also, like, the windmill being out, Regina couldn't have known that that windmill was going to do anything. The only person who would have known that is Gold. It is possible that her friend, Catherine, told her about this windmill. Sure. But that when she she may know the windmill exists. She would not know the windmill would restore lost memories. Yeah. Gold knew that. He yeah. absolutely, I mean, he put it in plain sight where David couldn't have missed it. So this seems like Gold did this for his own reasons that no one else knows. Which also seems to be the way Gold has operated from the six episodes we've watched. He's doing things on the side. And it actually, he seems adversarial with Regina in the way that he talks about her. Yeah. The way that he says she led you astray and all these things. Almost like he's kind of putting a thought in Charming's mind that the mayor is not to be trusted, which is something that he would do because then, oh, you can't trust her, come to me for help. So that's why I kind of think that it was adversarial. That makes a lot of sense. Can we talk about the bee story for a second? Absolutely. It's it's a very short one. It, uh, Once Upon a Time usually has a bee story. It's usually pretty short. This time it is Emma finds out that Graham is sleeping with Regina. Because he jumps out of her window and she tries to attack him. Why does he jump out her window? Because he doesn't want Henry to know. Okay. They're having sex. <laughs> If you don't think the sex you're having is going to wake the sun up, are you leaving the door open where he would see you walk out? Yeah, that actually is an excellent point. Like, it wouldn't be that weird for the sheriff to be speaking to the mayor, like, in your house. Or for Regina to have friends. Like, that would be normal. I mean, look, obviously if Henry saw him walking out of her bedroom. Sure, sure. Also, does he know what sex is at 10? Yeah. You sure? He's not dumb. I mean, just saying. (laughs) He's a really smart kid. He's really smart kid. But he, I mean, there are so many weird, I mean, he believes in fairy tales right now. So like, it seems like that's a lot easier to explain. And he could have just walked, and now look, obviously him walking out of the house at 9.30 at night would have raised some eyebrows, but it wouldn't have been as suspicious as jumping out the window like a robber in the night. It was was a weird choice. It, It does allude to the fact, though, that it's almost like something shameful is being done. Yeah. As opposed to just like two consenting adults, it more or less seems like he's sneaking out and Maybe he doesn't want anyone to know that he's doing it. I don't know. It was a poor choice by Graham, but, you know. It seems like Regina also doesn't want anyone to know. That seems more like something Regina just is punishing Graham with. Mm. Like, we're going to have sex, but you need to keep it to yourself. And you have to do all of the work to hide it. That's that's true. That does seem a very fitting Regina situation. The reaction, and I wanted to move to Emma anyway, this seemed overboard. I know we disagree about this. I think, I mean, yes, clearly Emma has some feelings for Graham that she is not willing to admit. Here. Or show to him at all. But I also think that she sees him, she doesn't have a lot of friends in this town. Yeah. And she's, Graham is one of her friends. Yeah. And he has helped her before. He stood up to Regina to hire her to be the deputy. He didn't arrest her. Like, he has been an ally to her before. And this feels like a betrayal. Like, he is literally sleeping with the enemy. Well, it's not his enemy. It's her enemy. That's an important point to make. 
also, like, it was like the same thing with that reveal a few episodes ago. Like, oh, big shocking reveal. Graham's sleeping with the mayor. And I'm like, well, yeah, and? I mean, look, this is, we talked about it. This is a show with, you know, very strong women who are allowed to have sex as they so choose. That also means that he should be able to have sex with who he wants. True. I mean, it'd be one thing if, if he had made a pass at Emma and they went out on a date and then later he went to go sleep with Jane. Like, that's kind of scummy. I, There's I, nothing between them. I do think it's a little scummy that she, when he hired her, she said, I don't work nights. And he agreed. And then he guilted her into taking a night shift by telling her that he needed to feed dogs at the shelter. He needed to feed the dogs, a.k.a. Bone Regina. Well, he had an important city council meeting. <laughs> an all-day city council meeting. I'm, I'm going back to referencing a previous episode. Clearly, they have some sort of chemistry yes. in bed that they were able to stay in bed all day. It's true. And if... I get why he lied. Men have made dumber decisions <laughs> for that plenty of times throughout history. But but to that point, I think she's upset that he lied to her. Like, he didn't have to lie about it. I, I'm not saying that's the only reason that she's upset. But I would be upset if someone guilted me into working at night so that they could... And lied to me about it. But you would be upset. The way that she storms off is similar to the way Mary Margaret storms off yeah. from David. Yes. She is hurt emotionally. I think she even tries to cry. I know Jennifer Morrison is not... She the... did not try to cry. I mean, her face looks no, kind of... she's mad. It does not look mad. That she's face mad. looks like... I, I think I, that you're bad at reading Jennifer Morrison's face. I think all of America was bad at reading <laughs> Jennifer Morrison's face. You know what? Fine. Maybe she was just angry, but it looked like a pouty cry face. Because it looked very similar to Mary Margaret's. And it also seemed like a parallel. Like, both of them were hurt by men they like. Uh, we see Emma's blue jacket again. She's wearing it here. We do see the told, blue jacket. Told you the blue jacket would reappear. It, it looks wrong, though. I just feel like the red jacket is Emma. The I blue... mean, it, it is. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. I, I just don't think the blue jacket fits for the character, and maybe the red jacket's too iconic. I want to go back to one more point with Rumpel, and, I, and there's a lot of things in this episode that are like callbacks. The one thing that he asked from for George is, there's a certain wand that I want... I am assuming that this is alluding to the fairy godmother that he obliterated in episode four. Yeah, so they were. He he says that he wants the wand of a fairy godmother that is a patron to George's family. I agree. I think it is the same fairy godmother. That was a nice callback. I liked that. I also liked how the episode leads right into snowfalls. So you see them on the carriage ride. I, I love the on the road to true love. Yep. Like George says that to to James slash David. And it's, he really is on the road to true love, just not with Abigail. <laughs> no. One more thing about George, too. The brings um, David in close when he's about to refuse the hand in marriage. Speaking of ice cold lines, I will kill you, I will kill your mother, and I will turn this farm to ash. Damn. <laughs> yeah, George is not a nice dude. But damn. Like, <laughs> there are three lines in here that I'm like, if I did a top five cold-bloodest lines, three of these might make it, but that one... Yeah, that one's bad. I will destroy you. And he is not exaggerating when he basically lays out exactly what he's going to do to David. And puts David in a position of like, I guess I can go chase true love and watch as my mother and my farm and everybody I love burns to ash. Yeah. Doesn't leave him a lot of choices. That's a rough one. Uh, there was another lost Easter egg here. Uh, Mary Margaret and Snow drink McCutcheon whiskey, which is another fake whiskey brand that is featured in Lost. I wondered when they showed the label if that had... So I like that. That's a nice little loss. Mm -hmm. um, one more character I want to touch on. We see Dr. Whale. Yeah, Dr. Whale. He took the brunt of that cold-blooded line from Mary Margaret. But I kind of like their interaction in this episode. He... The last time we really saw him interact, it was the... Um, date where he's kind of staring at Ruby and, and her, you know, hot pants. Hot pants. And this time it's less about him on a date and more so being kind of a friend. Like yeah. just asking what, you know. The first time, I definitely think it's him just being a friend. The second time they interact, I think he's being an opportunist. Oh, I agree. Um, he sees that she's upset. Vulnerable. I think, I think he genuinely, like, yeah. he, 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 he basically asked her on a date in that earlier situation when she shut him down. Um, he said, you know where to find me. So he, he, he opened the door for her to ask him on a date. Oh, I thought he was asking her to come back to the hospital. Oh, I mean, sort of. But I think, I think he was asking her on a date. Oh, I, I guess I took that as, I know you left the hospital. I hope it wasn't because of me. But if you want to come back, you know where to find me. 
Yeah, she doesn't report to him as a volunteer. Like he knows where she knows where to find him if she's interested in going on a date. True, with him. but he's also the head doctor. If he said, "I'd like this volunteer to come back," I don't think anyone's going to challenge him. Yeah, no, that's so. True. I guess both could be very valid interpretation. Yeah. The second one is not about the hospital. Yeah, he uh, he sees her upset. He he genuinely tries to comfort her, but I I think he also sees an opportunity here. And interestingly. Mary Margaret clearly sees what's going on and leans into it. Like, she's feeling upset, and I think that she thinks this might be helpful. I think when he drops the line of doing something different, he's very clearly mm-hmm. lobbing it up there, and she takes the bait. And it's not like she's not aware of what he's doing, yeah. but she's been hurt by the man that she's truly in love with. And is like, you know what? Why the hell not? Let's try something different. Well, and I actually, one of my favorite moments of the show in this episode is Mary Margaret, he, him asking if he can buy her a drink and her saying, you can buy me too. Great line. Great line. Great line. A lot of great lines in this episode. Also feels very, um, it, she felt like Snow White to me in that moment, not like Mary Margaret. There's a line in, I think, Star Wars, the second one, where Leia tells um, Han Solo, I love you. And, and he, he responds says, with, I know. I know you do. It felt like that. Like, it was a sweet moment, but there was like kind of a nice snippy line at the end. Yeah. Like that that's kind of what I thought of initially. And I was like, you know what? Good for you, Mary Margaret. That good line. Like, great one. Yeah. I thought it was great. Uh, what was your favorite moment of this episode, Roger? <sighs> There's a lot of good moments. Um, favorite episode, I think, is and, and maybe I shouldn't say favorite moment, favorite thing is David's interaction with his mother. Mm. I think Dave and, and maybe the second one where you see the mom realize the error of her ways and like, don't do this. This is wrong. I should have never encouraged this for you. And he's like, but I don't have a choice. Because that's, I think, again, where you see, I complain a lot about weak men. David is not a weak man. He's very strong. And he's even willing to sacrifice himself if necessary. He would give up his true happiness to protect his mom, to protect the kingdom, protect his farm. I said, he's my favorite man in the show. He's the best man in the show. He's not my favorite man in the show. Much like (laughs) this may not be the best show you've ever seen, but it's your favorite show. This this is why David is who he is. It's it's just a great moment. What a what a switch. Usually I'm the one that brings up the schmaltzy moment, but you schmaltzy. Uh, you leaned into that fully here. It was adorable. Um, I really like the you can buy me two drinks line. I also David killing the dragon is really badass. Like that was cool. He figured out like a tactical way to trap that dragon, and then he cuts off its head. And he doesn't know how to do that shit. He like moves sheep around on a farm. I'd also like to point out, one of the rare people who sees through Rumpelstiltskin's schemes yeah. instantly, th- there are two people who I've seen seen that, Emma and David. That He's like, what do you get out of it? He doesn't even buy that this guy, who he doesn't know at this point, is just doing this out of kindness of his heart. And he's like, I know that there's a scheme here. Now, he goes along with it because he has to, but it's like, again, he's very tactically aware of things. I also love how people don't freak the fuck out every time Rumple just, like, appears in the middle of a... Roger just spit water at me for everyone that cannot see that. Um, I forgot how funny that is. Like, he, he does it all the time. Like, someone is talking about... Like, he does it with George. Like, George is like, yeah, I have this plan. And then Rumple's like, I'm here. Um, and everybody just kind of turns. Like, obviously, George was expecting him, but nobody else was. Or he, like, appears on the farm when David and his mom are talking and like his mom knows who Rumpelstiltskin is. David has no idea. He's never met this man before and he's not just like did you just appear out of thin air? Like what's going on? Where did you come from? I believe though as you said the Dark One is known like his lore so I guess if someone were to appear out of thin air you would assume it's the Dark One. Though David says something I think to the effect of who the hell are you? Yeah he does. So it does he doesn't freak out. Yeah. And I mean, Rumpel, I guess there's magic in this land. But. And Rumpel is a weird-looking dude. Like, he's scaly skin, and he's yeah. wearing his goofy costume. One might say a crocodile. Oh, my God. We're not there yet. Uh, okay. Uh, most ridiculous moment of this episode? The most ridiculous moment of this episode probably has to be James. Like, the beginning. Mm. That was so stupid. Like, you, you just pulled this maneuver and killed the guy... By pretending that you were dead and it didn't cross your mind that maybe he's not exactly... Or just, like, step, like, eight feet away from him. You would have been yeah. totally fine. He's not going to just pop... Like, he just stood there with his back to him. And, and no one warned him, by the way. No one <laughs> of true. his knights who saw this dude moving was like, hey, hey, move, move. They're just like, oh, yeah, you're dead. That, come on. I, I don't believe that someone tactically as smart as him... Yeah, he's arrogant and a fool, but 
he would have known. Yeah. Like, let's kick this guy's body off the cliff that we're only 15 feet away from, and then we can do all the celebrating we want. So that, that was ridiculous to me. Um, mine is, uh, funnily enough, tied to my favorite moment, David killing the dragon. He killed that dragon with a gold sword. Gold is soft, and it could not cut through a dragon's bones. No way. Could not happen. I don't know why this is like the hill I'm willing to die on about this ridiculous show with twin brothers and amnesia, but like that gold sword, it's just worthless. In a show about curses and magic and enchanted forests, the properties of a specific metal are what get to you, huh? And the inflation. And the inflation. And the inflation. It's just too much. Okay, that's fair enough. I sadly think we're going to have the same loser of this episode. Oh, yeah. Mine's Mary Margaret. Oh, yeah. There are not many episodes in which I would say Mary Margaret comes out in a very low point. This might be, other than her having to give up her baby at the very beginning, this is a low point for Mary Margaret. Especially, like, as the audience knowing that they are meant to be together and they really love each other. And, like, this is just, like, I guess I do not think that regina is the winner of this episode but when you think about like what she's trying to do like she, she succeeded in this episode the way also that mary look mary margaret looks at david is where i was like oh that hurts because she's never snow will never look at charming that way she never looked at david that way and she looks at him with like the farthest the sparks and like just you know like a magical disney kingdom is normally happening behind when they look at each other and then that scene over by the toll bridge is just disappointment and sadness and like i i can't believe you did this to me yeah that she's clear loser clear loser james died and didn't take as bad of an l as mary margaret yep it's true who's your winner you know i just said that i uh wasn't gonna say it was regina but i think it's regina she succeeded in what she wanted this episode (laughs) mary margaret is miserable and that was like the whole reason that she did all of this so she won it's not gonna last but she won yeah, when you said that, I was like, boy, we don't agree on that one because Regina is the absolute winner, unquestioned of this episode. She, it's not just uh, Mary Margaret who she makes miserable. She has Mary Margaret apart from David, who's back with his cursed wife. And she's inadvertently also made Emma miserable. It's true. This is as big of a victory as she might score this entire season. And she had some city council meeting time. And she had some city council meeting time. This is, I mean. Yeah, you're right. Regina's totally the winner. I don't know what I was thinking. I guess previous episodes are uh, mixing up in my brain here. If this were a boxing scorecard, she's won 10 to 8 every round. I mean, she just just dominated. I mean. Honorable mention for David for slaying a dragon with absolutely no training in order to do so. 100%. (laughs) If, If we were just looking at charming. I would say, but even the problem with Charming is that, like, yes, cool moment. Oh, yeah, he got fucked. In he the got end. fucked. <laughs> like, that's, uh, and now, granted, I guess it leads right into meeting Snow. So even that you could call, like, not so bad. Like, I could look at the whole Charming thing and say, like, he's in the discussion for winning. David, on the other hand, that was not your best moment. Like, you, it was weird because, you know, a lot of times I say, like, Gold is the winner of these episodes. But I feel like this, I don't know if Gold won or lost here. He only gives David his memories back. Like, nothing about this seems what Gold does. I'm just kind of like, you didn't really impact this episode in a way that helped you. It seemed to help Regina, and I don't know why, which is actually very curious to me because he doesn't do things like that for no reason, typically. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, no, to me, Regina, clear victory. No, I don't even think there's anyone who's really close. Honorable mention to David for killing that dragon. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. And also Whale. (laughs) Yeah. You got, I mean, he doesn't get a lot of screen time, but... He doesn't. He, I mean, he I was, hate... He was, he was friendly, and then he gets bummed. Yeah, I mean, I try not to, like, do the whole thing, like, you won by, like, you know, a trophy on your, you know, a notch in your belt. But, you know, even if it, if you take away the whole fact that Mary, because we don't know if Mary Margaret has slept with him at this point, though it's highly alluded towards... Two drinks, Roger. They had two drinks. Which obviously means she's going to sleep And with she him. already had a drink before that, so three drinks. Well, okay. So... <laughs> But it's just the fact that he's in there. He's gained at the very least. They're talking and they're friendly. And, you know, now he does take a bit of a hit early when she's like, why would That's you think true. it's because of you? But still, I would, I would give him the third place banner. Well, and I, I think he uh, he convinces Mary Margaret to find the Snow White inside of herself a little bit. Which yes. Is, which I like. Um, Henry? Any, any Henry that we see in this episode? Do we? I don't think we do. There's very little Henry. I mean, there's not a lot of Emma, but there's very... I don't think there's any... I think we only hear Henry mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, that's an interesting... That's interesting. First episode. 
Uh, so counts for this week, I cried once. And you, this was a top five episode for you. Top five episode, and I would say top five lines as well. Mm. There's two or three really good lines in this episode. And then you even named a fourth one that I thought was pretty good. The um, Snow White one. Or, I'm sorry, Mary Margaret one of Buy Me Two. Yeah. a good line. It's a good line. What are you looking forward to next week when we watch episode seven, The Heart is the Lonely Hunter? Ooh. Well... I've always wanted to know more about Graham and who his cursed character was. The only mention, I believe at this point, I think he is the Huntsman. I'm not 100% sure on this one. Snow mentioned him in Snow Falls and the fact that he showed mercy, which is kind of a character trait that Graham shows in Storybrooke. So I want to see why he did what he did. What is it about Regina that he is attracted to would be interesting because he does stand up to her. I mean, look, she's an attractive woman. So if it's just a bottom brain thing, I get it. But also, he does genuinely seem to want Regina to make the right decision. Like, he doesn't just, like, go behind her back and help Batman. He tries to talk Regina out of making poor decisions. He seems to care about Henry, not wanting him to see his mother sleeping with... Which is weird, because it's not like there's, like, a father that he would be replacing that we know of. Um, but, you know, whatever. Maybe he just doesn't want to complicate things between the relationship. But anyway, knowing more about Graham will be good. This is going to be an interesting episode to talk about, if I recall. Yep. Uh, next episode is going to be very interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to, I guess this isn't specifically about that episode. I'm looking forward to all the same things that you are. It's always good to learn about a character that we've seen in Storybrooke, but we don't know what their background is. Um, we have a very firmly established love, love triangle between Mary Margaret, David, and Catherine at this point. I want to see where that's going to go. And now, like, we were reminded once again of charming and abigail in the carriage at the end and we know what happens with snow white at that point but we also know that at the end of that episode prince charming goes back to abigail so like i'm really curious what's going to happen there in, in the enchanted forest like how are snow and charming gonna end up back together just like how are they going to get together in storybrook i need to know i i feel like i want to know more about abigail that's Same. the part that i feel like is missing i know snow i know charming but the third part of that triangle is the one that I don't know. And her reactions to marrying David, Charming, James is like, she looks kind of disgusted about it. She's very haughty. That's a good word. Thank you. The, but it's the way that she kind of looks at her father, you know, he killed him? It's just, you know, and it, she looks inconvenienced. That's kind of the way I would say it. She looks like, whatever, fine. He'll do. I guess he'll do. Well, thank you very much for joining us this week, and be sure to join us next week when we talk about Season 1, Episode 7, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. See you next week!